0: Let me ask, are you a podcaster, creating videos on YouTube, testing out live streaming perhaps, webinars I dare say? If so, you must check out StreamYard. StreamYard is the easiest way to create content right now in your browser. You can multi-stream to your social media platforms, host a weekly show with special guests, create webinars, record podcasts with local recordings, create videos, and much, much more. And they make it super easy to brand and customize your videos inside the studio before you even go live. Do yourself a favor today and get started for free at StreamYard.com.
1: And now, for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 375 of This Old Marketing for Friday, May 12th, 2023. And with me, as always, is my pal, my colleague, and, well, the birthday boy who, even though cel- celebrated his 50th birthday this week, was not coronated the King of England, Mr. Joe Polizzi. Happy birthday.
0: Thank you so much. It's been uh, it's as as we're recording this, it is the morning of the next day, so my birthday's May 10th. Yeah. And so yeah. I have to get back to a lot of people, which is I'm more than excited to do that. It's 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 wonderful hearing from in and, and you, you, as you know you do have because post-birthday 50, voice. This was more than the other birthdays because it's like yes. oh, okay, it's 50. I've got to really do something special. For Joe and uh, it, they really did. Between the, as you, you know, donated to Orange Effect Foundation, I have that little fundraiser going on. That's done amazingly yep. well. And then I, I did the whole um, giving out the Will to Die, my novel, for free for the next four days. And I, I just, I just thought it was a nice thing to do. It's just like, oh, I have these. What when you when you publish with Amazon KDP, you get like five days a year that you can do a free Kindle. And I'm like, well, I haven't ever done it. Let's—I'll just, just do all five days, and I go ahead and do it. <laughs> It's—it's it's like t- top thousand books now, because you know it counts people downloading it for free counts as like a book sold, which it's not. But it's really done well the last twenty four hours. I'm very excited. The, that's the strangest brilliant. thing for me maybe. And you'll get this off because of some, <clears> sometimes people just don't know certain things in your background or what you've done. I had so many sure. people that I'm relatively close with say, I didn't know you wrote a novel. <laughs> and I, yeah. And I want to say, boy, it's I must like, be the worst marketer on the planet that
1: you didn't know that I wrote a <clears> novel. <throat> so, well, it's, you know what it is. It's a testament to how, how, you know, really just how ephemeral today's media is right how quickly things we and i don't mean we meaning you and me and our customers i mean we meaning a culture forget yeah you know we have such a short memory and i mean it's gonna you know it'll come to play in what we're gonna talk about in the news today but it really is we as a culture now we have an incredibly short memory on on things so even if you're the best marketer in the world and you you know, you know keep it up for weeks, months, quarters at a time, it's as soon as you stop, whew, you, have you to just, keep I mean, it. and you know, yeah. Well, and that's the one thing. I, I
0: didn't keep it in rotation, which is my own fault. You know Justin Welsh, right? Are you familiar with Justin Welsh? I'm, I'm familiar okay. with, I do not know Justin. So Justin Welsh, he, you know, content entrepreneur, very, very successful the last couple of years, has figured out, sort of how to play the Twitter and LinkedIn game. He says this all the time. He says, play your hits. Like we, we as content creators, we feel like, okay, I told that story before. I can't share it again. And Justin's like, you should be sharing that every month
1: on a regular basis. Oh, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm really good at that, I have to say. You do that. Yeah, you do that really well. I have a, I have a, I have a wonderful person who helps me schedule and pull and, and calendarize my, my social media feed, and she pulls my hits. And we go over it together. We go over the calendar together. And so I have, you know, I, I, in addition to the new stuff that I post, I, I try and always post my, my, you know, my, my more evergreen content.
0: Yeah, I, I do a terrible absolutely terrible job because I handle my own stuff. So <laughs> yeah. You know, Cause I do a, a daily Monday through Friday. I'll do a daily LinkedIn and sometimes I don't, sometimes I plan ahead and I'm really good with my calendar, but sometimes I, I get there on a Tuesday morning and I'm like, well, I don't know what I'm going to talk about today. Just like everyone else. I was like, oh, okay. Well yeah. let me play some of those hits. Let me get, oh, let me find a don't build on rented land really good <laughs> classic post. Exactly. From 2013. Yeah. yeah. it's like, let me open Killing Marketing from 2017. What did we talk about there? So that kind of stuff. But
1: yeah, it's been. Yeah. Well, that I'm not good at. That I'm not good at. I'm not good at re-promoting like our old book and all that stuff. That, that I'm not good at. Yeah. That, uh, the, the promotional side of, the you know here's here you know remember i have a book you know all that stuff is i'm not i'm not terribly good at that did you, you know we had a
0: we had a great live podcast last week it did was, did we, we did Do, was it great i don't know is, is that what i don't that what we, how we would <laughs> i haven't been paying attention to the feedback <clears throat> for various reasons over the past couple days yeah and I don't know if it was well received or not. I haven't even looked at the downloads. I, I'm assuming some people
1: thought it was interesting uh, and curious. I got a couple of nice notes. I got a couple of nice notes. But well, I like the people. picture that was going going around. The audio turned out way
0: better than I thought. Oh my it was god! Going to right? I mean, you can yeah. hear that we're at an event, but it didn't. Yeah, it it, it was fantastic. The the folks at Evergreen did a, a great job with the setup and. There were a ton of podcasts done from that booth at Creator Economy Expo. I mean, they got yeah. everybody in there to do because as you know, like I mean you're on the road right now with your setup, trying to that's right, trying to get this thing going. If you go on the road and you want to do a podcast and you say, Great, i want to do an interview, the first thing you think is, I gotta take my microphone, I gotta make sure I got my exactly. setup in my exactly. good location. How's the Wi Fi? You know, the whole thing. This was great because you and I just walked up and said, Hey. We're here. <laughs> Can we yeah. do this? It was it was great. You slip on the headphones and away we went. And it was it was great seeing Pamela Muldoon <coughs> and, and her doing the uh, our wonderful introduction again, as she's done for the last nine or ten years. That was so much fun. That was that was totally fun. Yeah, but it was nice. I'm so, I'm still getting people that said that they loved the energy at CEX and seeing all the people and you know what's what, Maybe the best compliment. I don't know if you received any compliments. You had a, your session was really well attended. By the way, you had standing room. <laughs> yeah, that didn't mean it was good. It was well attended, but I'm not sure. <laughs> you, you know, no, seriously. I think I think for a, I know, I know you kid me about this, but for a breakout session, I think you had the most people of anyone. So that's that's a. It was <laughs> to you you just well, draw it's them a, in it's
1: a it's it's a wonderful crowd it's i will tell you that it's a wonderful wonderful crowd and a great community and you know once again you've you've you you've done it again uh, you've built I, a I, very close lovely community of of people and it's it's interesting to me to see all the content creators the you know the the entrepreneurs really sort of o- opening their eyes you know the the number of times I, I heard wow these people look like me you know the, in other words they're they're the the specific segment that you go after that content entrepreneur isn't necessarily the young wannabe influencer right it's that it's it's a lot of people who are you know I don't I'm not going to say older. What I'm going to say is just experienced is probably the it's right, second, the better yeah, word. It's their second or third career. It's th- it, is, exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's a second story, right? It's the second story for them, and and it's uh, it's it, that was really uh, it was really very special, and it was nice to see the curators like yourself,
0: you know, stick around. They're in the networking. Um, you, I mean, almost all the the keynote speakers were everywhere. You know, they were at, oh yeah. they were at the parties, they were at Elliot's at the Hilton, you know, it was,
1: it was nice to see that. Uh, oh, I learned a lot. It was great for me to go to be a, a consumer of content, right? I, 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 it was, you know, it's one of the first conferences that I've gotten to attend in the last few years, you know, so I'm, I'm you know, and, I, and I, what I mean is conferences other than the ones that I sort of host, Um but the, you know, it was, it was wonderful to get to, you know, Jay Klaus. I loved both of his talks, you know, his session as well as his keynote. Um, And uh, it was, you know, there was, there, there was some great content and and I learned a lot. So, you
0: know, we're going to, you know, it's interesting. I, I haven't even talked to people about it, but I'm, I'm floating the idea of doing it in the fall next year. But there's a, lot here we there's a lot of issues. There's right. a lot of issues because the last thing I want to do is go. I mean, we don't want to go up against or, or interrupt people that, you know. I mean, you've got content marketing world in the fall. You've got marketing profs and B two B in the fall. We don't compete yeah. with those conferences, but I don't want, you know, I don't want to get into any of those things. Well, it's but it, it, it's. What, it, I think this conference is better set for the fall than than for the spring.
1: In my yeah, opinion. I mean, what you what what you what you. Uh, appreciate is the audience. You're right. The audience isn't, but it's the one one of the difficult things to do about scheduling new conferences in the fall or honestly, and sometime in the spring is the the competition for good speakers. That's right. Right. Where, you know, where the speakers are actually unavailable because they're speaking at other conferences. Well, how many years were we up against, you know, content marketing
0: world? This is back in 13, 14. We were directly against inbound at HubSpot. So there were every year 10, yeah, ten to fifteen speakers that did both. Like we would yeah. have them first, and then they would fly to Boston and do that one. And that's when, you know, we were we were having hopefully decent conversations with HubSpot. And I'm just pleading with them, saying please, you know, because we we had that time after Labor Day. I'm like, would you would you please not schedule? <laughs> right. Like, oh no, exactly. we've, well we've got the convention center booked for this time. I'm like, okay, well when does that up and let's have a conversation so we don't overlap. Right, it's better for the industry if we don't overlap. And then finally, yep, it got to a point. Now I, I think things are okay. I mean, you, you're in fault. So. Well, I was going to say it got
1: it, it got to a really great place the year after you left. So <laughs> uh, I didn't see what I did there. <laughs> yeah. You're probably you're probably right. No, what I'm saying is is that, is that it, it, it took that many years for it to. I mean, it was one of those things, literally, where it was to your point, it was about. This conference uh uh you know the the convention center schedules and convention center schedules by the way folks are are done in years right you know you make multi-year deals right so it's 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 not the kind of thing you can just go ah eh, we'll just do it net, right. different next year it's like no 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 you have to you have to both with Cleveland Convention Center as well as the uh, uh, I forget where they're at their Boston Boston uh, yeah whatever the Boston convention, the, convention Center wherever they yeah 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 this yeah. is a,
0: they're a beautiful place this is the one in Cleveland I mean they're 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 just different sized venues and yeah. uh, you still have to book in advance. I mean, that's the problem we had with the first Creator Economy Expo because we just said, so six months out. No, it's about nine months out. We're like, okay, we wanted to do an event. Well, there's no space available anywhere. There was like one, ho- we wanted to have it in Chicago. there's like one right. hotel available. I'm like, and it, it's not a nice one. I'm like, that's not going to yeah. be a great experience. What, what do we do? So, yeah.
1: Anyways, anyway, So you're anyway. A, you're, a, you're, a, you're getting up early for this. Uh, I am. I'm up early for this. I'm in the lovely, beautiful mountains of Utah, um, staring out right now at a very full creek that's just beautiful, running right by the patio of my my room here at this resort, um, and staring up at the beautiful snow covered mountains here. And I'm here for uh, my yearly retreat where I go with this mastermind community that I've been part of for the last decade or so. We get together and turn off our cell phones, basically turn off our laptops and really talk about life and our own challenges and business and economics and what's going on in the world. And we just sort of, it's a retreat to sort of, you know, clear your head and, and all that stuff. And it's just, it's, it's a really great way for me to, to, to clean out the sort of muck uh, Marie Kondo, if, if you will, my brain. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's all good. How many years is this for you that you've been doing this event? Well, we, I, it, Technically, it would be uh, 10, Um, but I missed, of course, we missed two years in a row, 2020 and 2021, because of COVID, and 2020, they did a virtual event that I attended, and it was okay yeah i mean it just it just doesn't work what are you gonna do yeah it doesn't it doesn't work that way 2021 they had a virtual event that i didn't attend um if i'm completely honest because of my experience with the first one and then 2022 last year i couldn't make because i had a death in the family and i had to fly uh i had to fly to uh to the funeral so this is my first time back since 20 uh 2019 so yeah well, yeah, it sounds like one of those special events that. That's great, yeah, and if you
0: got, I mean, you've got uh, some world-class influencers in that group. I mean, you, obviously, you can't say who they are, but yeah, I mean, it is. It, it
1: sounds just amazing. It sounds like one of those conferences I would totally. They're go. very accomplished people. Yeah, I mean, and and the funny thing is, is that very few of them are like there are very few of them that you would have ever heard of. Right. I mean, they're, they're not, they're, they're just very accomplished people. It's like people the power their, behind their the power, craft. right? They're the ones that are kind of, yeah. Decisions happen, but they're not necessarily. Yeah. There's, there's CEOs of companies. They're big hedge fund managers. They're big, uh, one's a, a, a religious leader, uh, out of New York. There's, you know, there's, there's, they are poets, um, musicians um yeah it's a it's a really eclectic group it's just it's wonderful
0: well we got to get you on your way you got up early specifically for this so you could go do do your your thought leadership thing that you do later <laughs> in the day so we'll uh,
1: we'll get on to the news of it i would imagine we yeah let's get to the show we've got a good one actually because there's some fun, really fun stuff to talk about here uh, I think you're going to start to notice a theme, folks, as we get into this. So the, for, we'll uh, first open up with, of course, the, I don't know if it's breaking news, but it's but it's certainly new, very new news. And that is, of course, our, our good friend, our, our good friend, Tucker Carlson. Um, I think we can call him that, oh, yeah, can't I, we? I absolutely um, think so. Yeah. He's getting into content marketing. We talked about this two shows ago before our live show, but yeah, here he goes. Um, and I think, by the way, I called it um, uh, with where he's end up going. We'll talk a little bit about that and uh, our prediction there. Um, we'll also talk a little more about trust and how what Tucker Carlson is doing is really affecting the idea of trust as we come up on a new election. We'll segue that into a wonderful story about that is also breaking this week around Mr. Beast and what he's been doing with his content and literally almost doubling his followers in a couple of days here. We'll talk a little bit about Google and Microsoft and how they may be... Eh, Doing the thing that we hope that nobody would do, which is to start to introduce advertising and API advertising into generative AI content. And if we get time, we probably won't get time. But if we we'll, if we get time, we'll talk about how the platform area may, era may be actually dead, um, and uh, or is it only mostly dead, as we like is to it say, mostly dead. and are mostly dead. We'll cover uh, our Q and A segment as we always do now, and uh, having a ton of fun with that. And then, of course, we'll... We'll get to our rants and raves where I will provide a little bit of commentary about Salesforce's new um, focus, I guess is the word, on generative AI in its software suite. And Joe, well, he'll talk a little bit about Warren Buffett because Warren Buffett has issued his annual letter. Uh, and as always, it's got some interesting and wonderful advice. All right. So, I mean, that's good stuff. That's a good, that's, yeah, that's it's that. a good, solid show. I hope that we can provide yeah. five or
0: seven minutes of value from the next 45 yeah. <laughs> minutes. 5 5 or 7. It's oddly specific. But okay. <laughs> that's probably uh, right, isn't it? It's a, yeah, yeah. It's It's, it's like I will listen yeah. to a 60-minute program and 5 minutes of it is probably really good. That's right. So yeah. That, yeah, that's, that's right. I mean, I mean that's, that's all your expectations you get. That's low all you get. and you're you're it's bound secure. to exceed them. There Let's it do is. This thing.
1: All right. Well, we will open up with a news story. There are a ton of outlets covering this, but uh, we'll link to Reuters. Um, and I just chose Reuters because it felt like it was the most like non- Newsy, I don't yeah, know, not opinionated Yeah, yeah, exactly. The headline for the Reuters article is former Fox News toast. Tucker Carlson will relaunch his show on Twitter. Uh, features a wonderful image of Tucker Carlson. Uh, just looking a little puffy. I have to it admit. Was a little but puffy. anyway, he looks much better yeah. now.
0: This is—I don't—they used an image from six years ago. It's just weird. But yeah, whatever.
1: That's just a, yeah. I mean, you know, that may be their 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 only editorial comment. But anyway, the article opens up by saying former Fox News host Tucker Carlson, who was taken off the air by the network last month, said on Tuesday he would relaunch his show on Twitter, quote unquote, soon. Fox News Media and Carlson agreed to part ways last month, shortly after parent company settled for $787 million defamation suit in which the top-rated host played a starring role. The outspoken Carlson embraced conservatives' issues and delivered his views with a style that made his primetime show, Tucker Carlson Tonight, the highest-rated cable news program in the key 25-to-54 age demographic of the most-watched U.S. cable news network. Uh, Ratings, however, have slumped after his departure. And starting soon, says Carlson, we'll be bringing a new version of our show we've been doing for the last six and a half years to Twitter, Carlson said in a video posted on the social media platform. We bring some other things too, which we'll tell you, but for now, we're just grateful to be here. Interesting, (laughs) interesting, uh, Elon Musk then started to uh, post, and this basically uh, is the way the news article sort of finishes up. Here said, uh, "Yeah, we haven't signed a deal of any kind," said Musk, um, and basically said that he uh, well, well, you know, trust. Uh, what was his tweet? Trust nothing. Trust trust absolutely yeah, don't, nothing. Tr- yeah, don't even trust. Yeah, it's just you, you, less than nothing.
0: Trust nothing. <laughs> he's basically, yeah. he's throwing out there. And, and this is what both Tucker and Elon are, are really good at doing right now, is to make sure that we are, are clear on the fact that we shouldn't trust anything out there, anything that's put out there. And, and did you watch Tucker's video that he put on LinkedIn? Did you watch the three-minute video? I, I, w- I watched the first, I don't know, minute so of it, and then just it. got... it. Yeah, it's, you can see how this is playing out. Um, well, first of all, I, I mean, we, we want to talk about his decision to do this. I think you did call it that he was going to make this jump to, to Twitter. And he makes the point in yeah. the video that Twitter is the last bastion for trust in the world because both sides are there and what whatever. But the, the – look Tucker goes on and on, and, he's, and he basically says that you can't trust anybody, and everybody's out to get you, and for just as divisive as ever, and it's just sad, and it, it's actually sad because we're coming up to, you know, a, a presidential election here where, you know, I guess the question is, and I, I don't even know the answer, what happens to an election when you literally can't trust anything because everyone's telling you not to trust it or you really can't trust it because of all the stuff that's going on with generative AI. I, I'm, It's a little bit scary what's going on and, and Tucker's going to, t- to take his part in it. What do you think about him launching on Twitter? And Elon made it clear. He is not being paid by Twitter. This is not like a Twitter-funded effort. Tucker is just choosing to go on Twitter and will be treated, according to Elon, just like any other content creator. What do you think about yeah,
1: the, the choice? I, well, I I think it's a it's a really interesting one, and I think it goes. It, I mean, we talked about this two weeks ago, where we said you know you took Tucker to task actually by saying look you know, you 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 had your chance. You should have built an email list. You should have built you know an owned media property. You should have built you know the the idea of building an audience as an individual was his opportunity for, you know, a decade, right, as he's been on the, and and clearly he failed to do that um, as evidenced, and the only reason we have evidence now is because he's actually decided to go to Twitter, which, of course, is every content creator's fatal flaw in launching a new show, which is to go on rented land. And so he's trying to build an audience. Clearly he's trying to capture what some of what he had, And probably figured Twitter was his most – Twitter was his best chance, right? You know, he didn't really have a YouTube channel. Doesn't really – Facebook is probably not the right place for it. TikTok, he's not a TikTok guy, let's be honest. And so it's like, okay, where can I go easily and make a splash and have an audience – and do stuff. I mean, what is a Twitter show? I mean, does anybody have a Twitter show? I mean, that's, I mean, that first of all, just seems silly, but
0: honestly, that's the only thing that I liked about this because he has a huge following on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. his little poster, I'm looking at it right now. So this is live and it's had 120 million views and he posted it on May 9th. So two days ago from the time we're recording this 187,000 retweets, lots of comments and all that stuff. So, I could see that being a thing, but at the same time, so he's going, oh hate the first Twitter show like this, kind of like when Twitter spaces, and there's some people are doing well with Twitter spaces, but most aren't, but you can have a few. Uh, why, not, why not use Twitter as a place to let your followers know where your show is going to be at and not put it on that platform so you could create – now, if there's – maybe there's something – maybe I'm not giving him enough credit. Maybe there's something else where you can go and get, um, you know, some kind of a membership or a subscription where mm. he can start to build direct relationships with this audience. But he could literally do what what happened to Donald Trump. He could build up a really amazing audience and everyone wants to watch the Tucker Carlson Twitter show or whatever the case is. And then something's going to happen. He sure violates Violate Elon some Mads. terms of service on Twitter yeah. or Elon doesn't like him anymore – Which happens every day. I don't. I don't like this guy. I don't like this gal. Whatever. It's deplatformed. Deplatformed. So it just seems like he's going right into the situation that he was at before with Fox.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt for the moment, and just uh, and say that I I would bet that when the reason he says "quote unquote" soon is because they are building some sort of infrastructure. They, you know, there's some sort of scaffolding that has to get built for him to have a show uh, that may end up debuting quote unquote on Twitter that may ultimately then lead to, I I could see it very easily leading to a website or an email newsletter or something that has merch or, you know, his, you know, and, and doing all those things. And he'll, I could see him very quickly building an audience there. And, you know, I, I think it goes right to your, the 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 other story that we can link to in the in the show notes certainly which is comes to us courtesy of Axios which is uh, the headline is a trust nothing election and it opens with the idea that Elon and Tucker are quote unquote joining forces but are they really joining forces because Carlson of course launched his video and then Musk said no we're not we don't have a deal together on any of this and as Elon tweeted, trust nothing, not even nothing, which is like, (laughs) I mean, that's such a, that's, you know, it's like pass the bong, Elon, right? I mean, come on. Okay. All right. That's, you're very, very cute. You know, you're very philosophical. Um, But this idea of trust in media is, has really come down to the individual, right? It's really coming down to, who do you trust, not what institution do you trust, where it used to be the institution, right? It used to be the institution of CBS News or CNN, and we could talk about CNN and Trump's town hall if we wanted to, but that whole thing, you know, where the institution – is really just made up of individuals and you see this with New York Times and the way they're doing with their writers and on all of that it's starting to really come down to who do you trust not what institution do you trust it's, it's so interesting we
0: were talking before the show
1: I really do believe that this
0: this is sort of the issue of our time as content creators like we have to wrap our hands around it. I, I just looked it up I was trying to figure out, okay, what's the current trust level of institu- major institutions? And Gallup did a poll last year and said, right now, the trust uh, level is at 27%. 27% of Americans yep. trust. But it's not even that. The, the story went on, and I'll put it in the show notes if, if I can find it again. But it was saying it's not the trust issue that's being diminished. It's mistrust that's growing. So it's the fact that they look at institutions. It's not just I don't trust institutions. It says I, I mistrust institutions. I think they're out to to hurt me. I think they're dangerous. This is what's scary. So when this happens, at least according to what I was looking at, it says that's when you have individuals, and of course we've covered on this show, businesses that have an advantage here to become the 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 trustful sources, the trustworthy sources. Um So if you were a content creator right now, you you should focus everything on how you can build trust over a long-term basis. This this is the opportunity because those places that we used to go to for trust aren't there because it's even worse than that. It's that
1: we think they're dangerous. And we, I mean, not me, not you, but lots of other people. so, so, uh, So Edelman also does their trust barometer every year, right? And one of the things that it came out with last year in 2022 was the, the, the new, the newly developed sort of trend that c- we audiences, consumers now uh, expect businesses to act because what they found then was that <clears throat> business was the last institution that was actually trusted. You know, in other words, the institution of mainstream media isn't trusted any longer. Um, and it, by the way, it's the lowest Um, of the distrusted, uh, all media, mainstream media, meaning just any media. um, Then there's nonprofits, NGOs, um, they are considered as as sort of trusted but Con, or, or ethical uh, but not considered terribly uh, capable so uh, they're not they're, they don't fall into the trusted category and then government was considered both incapable and un- <laughs> in large part unethical only ranking slightly above mainstream media in terms of an institution and then you have business which was the only one in the upper right quadrant which was both considered ethical as well as uh, capable which is crazy and how that which plays. is crazy right yeah. but that's our opportunity as marketers and this year so the, the, the punchline is that this year, of course, they talk about exactly what you just mentioned, right? The headline for the trust barometer from Edelman this year is we are deeply polarized. And the remediation, if they've doubled down on that first recommendation, businesses, as they say, businesses are expected to act. As the most trusted institution, business should leverage its com- uh, comparative advantage to inform debate, deliver solutions on everything from climate to DEI, which is, of course, diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, and skill training. And so that's the opportunity for marketers, for content creators, is that having a point of view about the way the world works is, is not only something that's an opportunity for marketers, but it's actually a, a, a responsibility for, for, you know, for developing trust in the, in the culture. I think that's, and that's a, whether that's a overall marketing goal,
0: content marketing program goal. But if you set the BHAG and said, well, we, we need to be the most trusted resource for our customers, our audience in this particular niche, I really do believe. And of course this is what we've done for the past 20 years or tried to do is take that and create a some some either a dotted line or a direct line to revenue. So, that's to right. The case that if we are I mean HubSpot is trying to do this right now, Aero Electronics is doing Cleveland Clinic is doing this right now. They believe that if we are the most trusted resource in our industry, we will generate significantly more revenue. It's just that's the long game to
1: play. So if you're in it for yeah, the short game, forget it. You can't, build, but it's even ex- you can't build. trust it's in this even can't build It's even expanding. It, it, that's exactly right. And 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 the thing is, it's expanding beyond. Even I mean, we talked about the uh, the you know the 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 Budwise, you know the Bud Light challenge. Yep. You know, of course, you know, and their what they're going through right now with you know looking at kind of a half-assed point of view about the way that they approached uh, LGBTQ issues. It's 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 consumers are now expecting leadership to come from business for on, on the idea of what you know the ways that we should be behaving and th- and creating that trust in, in what you can what you can consume like what should we believe? like you know that's that's ultimately what we're talking about here is because if the the news that's all news is is what you know what what are you going to believe out there? And if the only answer is, entertainment, you know, news entertainment, which is really what all these news programs are, CNN and MSNBC and Fox news. It's just entertainment. And it's, it's, it's outrage entertainment, of course, but it, but it's, it's, it's the kind of thing where if we can't believe it, if the, if we have to find individuals to trust, who are we going to look to? Businesses are, are kind of the logical answer there. And content creators are the, the, the really logical answer. So it can be Tucker or it can be us. Yeah. That's the that's what it comes down to. Do you see, I mean, you obviously,
0: we're working with marketing leadership at this thing, and I was on a podcast the other day talking about internal communications and what we need to do to make our cases for our content programs. What Do, you, do they get that the most trusted source... Long term will win the lion's share of business. Do do are there just content champions in the organization to get that, or do they really have to the, make the case, or do people the, get
1: that now? No, they they for the most part they get it. Um, un- unfortunately, it, there is a there there is a tension, and the tension right now is between the short term thinking of ROI, uh, which is unfortunate because of the way that corporations are are measured, you know, by quarter by quarter by quarter yep. instead of year by year or you know even decade by decade. So the long-term long-view ideas that are that what that we're talking about here are often snuffed out very quickly with short-term needs of ROI, right? So and I'll even talk a little bit about this in my in my 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 commentary a little later where the bright shiny object idea gets to be bleeds into that idea. Right. So you see this a lot with climate change right now. You know, last year, every other company had some sort of ESG or focus on, you know, diversity, equity and inclusion messaging or some sort of comms program around the climate, you know, that that sort of thing. Right. And a lot of that right now is like, eh, we we just got to put leads in the funnel. And so we're not going to put a lot of effort toward that right now. And then a lot of companies got called out on it because they didn't have a long-term plan for it. So they're like, okay, they're going to take a step back and sort of reformulate their plan. So I think it's right now a lot of the tension between the short-term needs of the business versus the long-term goals uh, of the business. And and, and those two things are in tension right now. Interesting.
0: Yeah. I, I just... Wow! If you have a, and I totally get the quarterly pressure. I mean, our budgets when I used to work at Penton, even I mean, they they were defined by can can the chief marketing officer move beyond what they need for the quarterly, and think over the next two years the impact that we're trying to make, and that's where. Well, I mean, you know, you know this. We've talked about it on the program. I used to sign deals that said we wouldn't we wouldn't do a one time magazine we initially we did and then we realized that didn't work out you put all this upfront effort into doing a quarterly issue that never happens again you're like well that was a big waste of everyone's time and energy so i I would say that you have to do at least four issues or we won't take the job so it's a a little bit of a risk but you but i wanted to make the case that hey this is a long-term program some of some of my peers they would do three years which i loved them for it that's a very tough sell said so we want a 3-year deal on this whole thing
1: kind of like uh, the convention
0: center yeah. selling the 3 or 4-year year, year well, deal Well
1: that's well that's exactly it right I mean when I was back in TV you know you would have you, you know the the I mean if if you can even imagine this right you know when I was working for Showtime Networks the cable uh operators right would make 10 de- 10 year decade long carriage deals right so in other words you agree to carry HBO or Showtime or Nickelodeon or MTV or whatever it is on your on your uh, on your network, on your on your cable company for 10 years. And interesting things started to happen, which is right around the early call it late 90s, early 2000s as the internet started to really sort of emerge, there was a fascinating thing where, the over-the-top services were just starting to get, you know, just beginning, right? Sort of the idea of, are we going to get our television through the internet or are we, are we going to start getting our programming through the internet? And as you started to get into 2008, 2009, 2010, that reality started to really happen, right? With the, you know, with Netflix coming online and all those kinds of things. But here you had cable companies and the executives in those companies making, still making 10-year deals, Right? They're still making those 10-year deals. But, and what they're doing is they're like, hey, I'm not going to risk not signing up HBO for my cable operator and looking at how we might evolve into over-the-top television because I'm just going to wait for the kid behind me because I'm going to do this 10-year deal. And then by the time 10 years rolls around, I'm out of here. I'm out of here anyway. I'm retired. So it's, it's this fascinating thing where regimes literally make deals that the, the youth and the organization pay for That's incredible. So Yeah. Do we want to talk about Mr. Beast as well? We do, a little bit. Yeah, this is a very quick story that we can cover because it just feeds right into this idea of trust and what's going on in the world of individuals. Uh, Mr. Beast, of course, who we've talked about many times on this show, uh, the headline, and there's a few outlets covering it, um, especially in email newsletters. We found one online that you can link to. Mr. Beast is on the conquest to make history on Instagram with 7 million followers. Uh, in the last 24 hours, uh, Jimmy Donaldson, better known as Mr. Beast, of course, as the article says, is a talented content creator, philanthropist, entrepreneur, and more. Basically, uh, he has now – he had a birthday, very much like our, our friend Joe Polizzi did. He had a birthday. And he, he saw a recent rise in his TikTok numbers. Uh, he is the most uh, subscribed individual as well. Uh, he's uh, the king of the YouTube, as, as, as the article described him. And basically, uh, the account, uh, I guess, and you know a little more yeah. about this, he basically got on Instagram, uh, offered up money to celebrate his birthday, and over the course of the next 24 hours, the account saw 7 million new followers, uh, a, a basically giving $50,000 away for his, his birthday. Yep. Yeah. Um, the numbers he gives away are, by the way, just astounding. It's just astounding to me. But
0: Well, it's interesting. Yeah, and explain there's a, a little there, more. Give it a little yeah, more Yeah, context.
1: let me give you a little. There's a,
0: been an update. So the, since so basically, he s- celebrates his 25th birthday. And for that, he announces $50,000 uh, that he's given away to five people split among five people, and then he's up that to a $100,000. And because of that whole thing, because he said you had to follow Mr. Beast and then comment, whatever, 19, 19 million likes, 13 million comments. He has doubled, so this even more than the 7 million, he's doubled his followers to 40 million for a pittance of money for him. I mean, Mr. Beast sure, spends $50 yeah. million dollars a year on videos and whatever. But I just thought it was amazing for a very little amount of money in an investment. If you say, oh, I'm going to spend a couple hundred thousand dollars to get 20 million people to like my <laughs> Instagram channel, you're like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. But more and more, I mean, this is just, a, it's a side thing for him and it's great and from an audience subscription standpoint. But when we get back to this whole Tucker Carlson's thing and the trust thing, I mean, you have Jimmy Donaldson here. It, he might... Like I we've we talked about it I think a year ago. Like if he if he decided to run for president, I think he would win. I think he would win. I he certainly do. got a following. Yeah, because Absolutely. he has. He he's is the most audience. trusted. He's
1: definitely he's, the the real. You know, when we think about influencers, he's really there.
0: And he's tr- he's trusted. He's actually a really good dude. He's doing some amazing things. He just bought out. This came out. I don't know, a couple hours ago, where he bought out like half his cul-de-sac. In North Carolina, and he's giving, you know, houses away to his friends and stuff like that. It's just, you know, crazy stuff that he can do now because he is the most followed person on the planet because just, hey, throw it out there, started in 2012 and just did videos on YouTube, and it took him three years to get to 30,000 subscribers on YouTube, and now he's got 100 and whatever, almost 200 million people on YouTube that are following him. Um, so yeah, when you think about oh wait, where do I want to put my money? Do I go and advertise on an NBC or the Olympics or CNN or whatever, or do I want to advertise with Mr. Beast, who's getting ten times the amount of people watching him?
1: Right, it's crazy. Right, but again, well, and by the way, and by the way, that the, the the math totally works. Right, I mean, you think about the number of brands out there because it sounds insane, right? You know, you're going to give away a hundred thousand dollars for followers, right? And the, but the math totally works if you look at it in the same way that a consumer brand, a, you know, some sort of B2C brand, would spend 10 times that on a – let's call it a 90-day a flight across broadcast media – of, of our brand advertising, which may or may not, by the way, have a URL to, to convert or, you know, to go follow or to go visit a website or something like that. It may literally just be uh, a bunch of, you know, in the case of Budweiser, a bunch of trucks driving down a dirt road talking about how we're all patriots. You know, that they, they routinely spend that for brand-level advertising. And what he's doing is he's actually showing an ROI on it, right, by, by – By getting some number of followers or some number of conversions that he can now leverage, and spending less money actually than you would arguably spend on a broadcast media idea. Now, whether it whether it complies with uh, Facebook or Meta's terms of service or not is a different story. But that's you know he's pushing the boundaries for sure. I guess the thing that I'm trying to
0: grasp is when we talk about the media, we historically we're thinking of what like Washington Post. New York Times, CNN, right? the The media that's happening before our eyes that we're, like the most influential media out there are not those places. They that's are right, Mr. Beast. I mean, I'm I'm going to check out Gary Vaynerchuk's conference uh, next week, VCon. It, it, those kinds of yeah. individuals who have put together these media companies that nobody's calling media companies they call them influencer comp or no influencer marketing or whatever right yeah the these are the most influential media companies of our time and we are still getting it wrong i think as a collective so
1: yeah these are the yeah, trust. And we these talked are about the this 2 weeks ago this is
0: being born this is the new you know when when we when we're going to talk about the election and all these things people are going to listen to these people <laughs> people more than anyone right. else
1: Yeah, um, and we talked about this 2 weeks ago when we said that you know you have uh, you know more people are watching mr beast and than than are watching uh, than any than watch tv cable news on any given night and yeah. and so that's when you start recognizing how much more viewers some of these ind- individuals have more than programming on on what we would call mainstream media it starts to get really eye popping quick. Well, you, you, we're not, we're not going to get to it. But now I can put it in the show notes.
0: You part of our, like our last story was this one that from Ad Age. This is podcasters impact consumers purchasing decisions more than influencers. Yep. Studies so study finds basically said so podcast hosts are one of the most influential fig- figures in driving purchasing decisions today. It just goes to exactly what we're saying. And they're, they're yeah, not us, by, they're, by, by by the way. Not it's not us. Yeah, no, not It's, no, it's, it's oh, Other Jesus. podcasts.
1: <laughs>
0: that's that's almost comical, Robert. Yeah. Wouldn't be us, <laughs> but no, other podcasts, other other podcasts, other, yes. other proper podcasts. Other, yeah,
1: like real shows, real shows, not the, that's not right. this fake show. That's right. All right. Very quickly, let's cover this uh, this other story before we get to our Q and A segment here, uh, which is about Google and Microsoft. Um, Doing what was hoped wouldn't be done, but of course it it was inevitable probably. Uh, Two announcements this week, one that's actually happening and one that's going to happen. Um, The first we'll cover uh, from uh, Search Engine Land, which is that Microsoft Advertising has now launched Chat API to monetize AI chat. The Ads for Chat API will allow partners to serve ads on chat platforms uh, from Microsoft as well as other companies. So basically, the article opens up by saying Microsoft Advertising Today has announced a new API, Ads for Chat API, which will allow publishers and online services and apps to deliver advertising through their chat uh, interfaces. This new chat API will allow sites, apps, et cetera, to customize their chat experience, to choose from ad formats that work best for them, and incorporate relevant ads for their audience according to Microsoft. The new chat API allows these publishers to build their own chat experiences on sites and apps serving ads either from Microsoft or other companies. So here we go. That's the first one. Uh, and then just very quickly here so that we can, we can talk a little bit about this. The second one is coming from Media Post, which is a Google announcement, which is coming. The big Google I.O. event was this week. Um, and basically they have said that they remain committed to search ads powered by generative AI, uh, as Google brings generative artificial intelligence into search through something it calls Search Generative Experience, Google might be the worst why, company why can't naming name things ever. They they just really can't name anything anyway. Uh, an experiment in search labs advertising will remain an important part of the experience, the company said Wednesday. As the search ecosystem continues to evolve with an increased focus on AI, search ads will continue to play a critical role as additional sources of useful information uh-huh, while helping millions of businesses be discovered online, uh, said uh, Vidya Srinivasan, the vice president and general manager of Google Ads. Uh, so basically, that they've got this stuff coming through search, where you're going to be able to use generative AI to generate more ads versus Microsoft, which is going to allow an API to basically serve up ads uh, in through interfaces. What, what, what say you? I definitely have a take oh, on yeah. this. My, my, you, take,
0: yeah, my take on this is easy. This is just nothing but bluster around AI and making sure that when people think of Microsoft and Google and AI, um, you know, they're thinking about them as together. Uh, there's an interesting. I think you saw this as well. This was in Morning Brew the other day. There was a research project done by the National Bureau of Economic Research that said, over the over the past uh, year, there have been a thousand mentions of AI on S and P five hundred earnings calls, and those that mention oh, yeah. AI yeah, yeah. are based. I'm, I'm gonna get this. Are companies embracing generative AI have been earning shareholders point four percent more per day than those with less exposure. This is. <laughs> Yep. So they're they're more valuable just by mentioning them,
1: just by mentioning yeah. AI. Well, this That's is what this is in my the, well welcome welcome to the great AI wash, right? This is everything is going to be washed in AI for the just next like
0: blockchain twelve was in, months.
1: You know, years ago, just, and just like metaverse. just like yeah, just like yeah. climate, yeah, climate change, ESG, uh, AI. It's basically this is the new way to say that you're you're dancing with the cool kids. And that you've got value, and that you can, and this is this is going to be a real issue because there are going to be a lot of companies that talk about the inclusion or infusion of AI into their products, and it's just not true. Um, and so you're going to be, you know, it's going to be a lot of caveat emptor in, term, in terms of what you're buying in the way of. True, and 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 by the way, it probably will give AI a black eye before too long, right? Just very much like what happened with the metaverse, and we'll get to this in our Q and A. But you know, what is you know what is AI? What is a metaverse? What is all you know? What is crypto? This lack of uh, this the rise of it so quickly and the fundamental misunderstanding of what it is will will in you know encourage people who don't you know aren't using it in the right way or let's call it a moral way to launch all kinds of things that are going to ultimately give it, you know, it's, it's the black eye is coming. I guarantee it. It always does. I mean, there, Yeah. I mean, it wasn't,
0: it was two years ago that everyone was getting into NFTs and crypto and whatever, and it just went hockey stick growth. And then you just saw the fallout. Now it's, it's, there's still a number of wonderful things going on, but you had 95% of those companies are gone. Yeah, I don't know if the same thing is going to happen with AI. There's maybe a little bit more more behind this, but um, you're gonna you're gonna see a big fallout here. So not not, not a right. bad strategy just to come out and say you know every couple of weeks let's throw out a press release about what we're doing with AI. Of course, because you know That's what exactly it works. It. it works right now. That's right. Microsoft's it gets you coverage. Stock, stock price yep. is is benefiting because of their integration. With AI and OpenAI and ChatGPT and everything else. Bing. Yep. Bing, com- <laughs> Bing was dead. <laughs> now everybody's talking yeah, about I Bing. Know. How does that happen?
1: AI. Yeah, amazing. Crazy. All yeah. right, let's get to our Q&A segment here. Speaking of new technologies, uh, we have a lovely question. Uh, not audio. Uh, we, we would have, you know, Brian... You gotta, you gotta, you got you gotta do this in audio, man. He's at the event. He's at uh, another no. event right now. I, I, He's just it's I, crazy. Yeah, I, yeah, I refuse that. I refuse that. Uh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, Brian, thank you very much for the question. It's a Brian great Piper. question. Yeah. Brian, so Brian Piper writes, writes in. in Brian Piper, Brian Piper, who is a friend and family of the show. Thank you very much, Brian, for that. Uh, we here's Brian's question, Joe. We know that technology impacts content marketing. Once computing technology figures out how to make the metaverse a reality, and we know it will, what do you think content marketing is going to look like in the future metaverse? And what can content marketers and content entrepreneurs do to prepare ourselves to be able to succeed and excel in this future space? So, what say? I definitely have a, an answer for Brian. But what do, what do you think? It's, it's interesting. I've struggled with this whole metaverse thing. I Here's my take
0: on it. I don't know if we know what that means. Is this, I mean, I think when people say metaverse, correct me if I'm wrong, Robert, that we think of this immersive 3D experience. Yeah. That's uh, right. That, that that's whether right. it's, with, whether you, you have a, a blockchain component of that or not, I don't know. I think you, that's arguable because you could say, oh, Roblox or whatever, or like Epic Games. Games and what they're doing. But, yeah. I don't know what that is going to be. It's almost like, I don't know if this is a good example or not, but this is what I thought of. I thought of when e-commerce was just starting to take off. This is 25 years ago. And Walmart waited. And Walmart said, we don't have our, our, our arms around, wrapped around this yet. We're going to wait a little bit and see what happens. We're going to experiment. We're going to absolutely bring in experts that understand this, but we're not going to put Everything into the bucket of e-commerce and digital. Well, I think it's. I think Walmart's benefited from that. I mean, if you look at their revenues right now, I think that almost twenty percent of their total revenues are digital. They're growing at twenty percent a year. They didn't rush it, and they figured this thing out, and it's worked for them. And I think people trust. (laughs) If you can trust Walmart, whatever. I think people people appreciate that. I like that that kind of strategy. And at the same time, we heard this flat out. It's funny because, in when we talked about metaverse or NFT or blockchain or anything like that, and we had um, our 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 talks at CEX last year, those were the highest attended ones. People wanted, and this year they were the lowest attended. And I talked to some of the speakers that this is still a big issue, and they said you can't call it blockchain, and you, you can't call it NFTs anymore, and you can't call it crypto. You have to do sort of what's what Starbucks is doing with their Odyssey program, which is extremely successful. It's just a loyal it's just a loyalty program. That's right. It's just a loyalty program. Yeah, it has and nice it... digital collectibles. It's a wonderful experience. There's gamification to the whole thing. It's working really well. I don't think 90% of the people that are on Odyssey know that it's it's on a blockchain.
1: Yes, so that, that's exactly so right. So we
0: get away from the technology. So that's my instinct. And Brian, I'm not answering your question at all. But I think when we think of Metaverse, <laughs> we are thinking about the technology. And frankly, we don't know. We have to get into what are we trying to accomplish? What's the experience thing? And that comes back to what we're talking about on this whole show. What we can do as brand marketers and content entrepreneurs is focus on long-term trust building by delivering valuable content experiences consistently over a long period of time and have some kind of subscription component. That's yeah. that's it.
1: That's it. Yeah, I, I here's what. So I'll 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 attempt to sort of provide a, a little bit of a uh, of a of a more granular Please do. answer for Please Brian do, here because mine wasn't but granular I,
0: I, at all.
1: Yeah, but I I, I I do appreciate the the your your focus on the technology there because it's a bit like you know it, it the equivalent would be back in two thousand one or two thousand two. Somebody, you know, not this isn't uh, a knock on Brian's question. It's, it's literally talking about crypto or, or the idea of blockchain or the idea of metaverse. It's the equivalent of 2002 going, hey, how is HTML going to change your business? You know, and, and so it it's, it it isn't about the underlying technology. It is about the experience, the experience that you create. So uh, I know that shocks most of you to hear me say something like that. But it is, it, it is about the experience. And what I think about the metaverse is – I think it's a big question mark right now because I think what we're seeing consumerized is a reluctance, certainly, you know, a a slowing of the adoption of virtual reality. Which is kind of a, a a must for the the metaverse, um, unless you start to broaden out your definition of metaverse to include things like the audio metaverse that you know you would you would include you know the AirPods and and how people get in. you know if you're going to if you're going to oh, include that augmented reality then, then that's is sort of getting yeah, into that space. yeah or yeah. or anything like that right but but if we're talking purely about virtual worlds. Where people use virtual reality headsets to enter those worlds and interact with people and interact with businesses, so I think that I think there's a question mark of whether that's the next segue or whether there will actually, uh, you know, and by segue I don't mean that it's a complete failure. What I mean is that it's a very niche product, which you know, so things like telemedicine or, uh, for example, my brother-in-law who's an architect uses virtual reality all the time. He actually meets clients in virtual spaces to talk about what he's going to do with their house, what materials they're going to use, and they meet in the house. Like they meet, you know, he takes his CAD drawings, does a 3D rendering of them. They meet in that 3D rendering, and they look around and they go, here's where the bathroom's going to be, and they walk through it together. And it's a great use of 3D, but it's a very niche orientation. So I could very easily see if... If there are audiences there to be had where the metaverse, where brands can certainly use the metaverse for sponsored versions of that, right? So, what if you had a sponsored metaverse where my brother in law could go in and, you know, sponsored by DeWalt or Home Depot or something like that, where, you know, there, there, there is a place where he can easily set up an account and go in and meet with clients and sponsored with, you know, the, the different kinds of brands and make it easy to purchase things and you can purchase the materials right there. I can totally see that being a content marketing kind of experience um, that the metaverse would support. The same way in e-commerce now that we're seeing these very quiet, um, generally speaking, experiments that are going on with e-commerce, um, sort of you know, brand luxury brands like Louis Vuitton and, and others who have created these usually seasonal-based experiences for the metaverse where you can go in and you can interact with the brand and those kinds of things. So I think it's a big question mark right now whether or not it will take off. But if it does, there's a lot of opportunity for brands to create sponsored experiences or hosted experiences for their customers to really drive trust, as, as Joe said. So I think I think there's a big opportunity there, but I think a lot of it hinges on how well the adoption of, of virtual reality yeah. takes if off.
0: And, and there's too much friction at the moment, as our friend Jesse at the moment, Savannah yes. Bananas would say, you got to get rid of the friction. In in
1: a in a blockchain metaverse environment, there's way too much yeah. friction. Yeah, I mean in my we'll opinion. see. We'll we'll see what happens with Apple, right? I mean Apple's going to introduce their their new glasses, which that you know will it be the new uh, you know will it be the new uh, iPod uh, Airs uh, uh, or will it be you know. Uh, of Google Glass, you know, it, it, it's really, it's. I think it's really a big question mark. If it takes off, if if the Apple technology takes off and consumerizes this, then I think you know, metaverse game back on in a in a hot way. All right. Well, now before we get to rants and raves, I just want to remind you that you know. Unlike our friend Brian, you can actually leave us an audio question. We want those audio questions. We want your questions. Please go visit us at thisoldmarketing.site. Leave us a voicemail. We love hearing the dulcet sounds of your beautiful voices. You can also there subscribe to Joe's amazing newsletter called The Tilt and, of course, get all the wonderful goodness around the content entrepreneur economy and or you can link over to our little experience advisors community, which we're having a ton of fun at. um, over on Discord and uh, all those kinds of things, and there's a newsletter associated with that as well. Or you can bathe in the 374 episodes of the wonderful chuckle-headed goodness. I'm getting a lot of notes that you guys enjoy the chuckle-headed goodness uh, phrase of of this old marketing. And of course, the show notes for all of our episodes, which uh, most of you don't care that much about, but we like (laughs) providing them for you anyway. So also you can get us on Twitter, hashtag us up about this old marketing. Uh, We're on Twitter looking at that thing until uh, either Tucker Carlson's show kicks us off or something else happens. And uh, yeah, or send us an email or just send up a smoke signal. We want your ideas is for stories we want your questions and bring them on all right now let's get to our rants and rave section where we go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something do you want to go first or yeah, shall I've i go really, first really really quick what?
0: and I, I usually cover this every year but it was uh berkshire hathaway's annual meeting so that's when uh, our friend warren buffett uh, has a w- wonderful uh statement about the state of the economy berkshire hathaway and and his basic thoughts on life. And that's what I I love reading, his annual reports. So just, I'll put this in the show notes. There's a couple really good parts. One of them is... He goes on. It's funny. Nobody does this in the annual report. He goes on and talks about how wonderful Charlie Munger is uh, in the annual report, and what it that having a great partner, much like this podcast that we're on right now, is so critical to your future, to challenge you, and all that kind of stuff. But there's there's one thing that's really getting a lot of press right now. I'm sure you've seen it. Everyone's covered it. But somebody asked. In addition to this, somebody asked, like, okay, what what's how should I be successful, Warren? Like, what are the things I need to do? And he basically said, You you need to write the obituary that you want and then behave accordingly. And it's so that's so difficult to do. It's so tough, but it's so yeah. easy at the same time. It's like, what do you want to be remembered for? write those things down write it as an obituary was did this did that and then go ahead and figure out how you're going to get there it's absolutely beautiful um so there's a part in this which is on page eight of the annual report. Again, I'll put it in the show notes where he goes through all these things and says, here's a few of my my thoughts. You know, the world is full of foolish gamblers and they will not do as well as the patient investor. Everything is about patience, it's about consistency, it's in line with what we talked about on the show and building trust and how patience can be learned. Um, having it goes on, having a long attention span and the ability to concentrate on one thing for a long time is a huge competitive advantage. So this is just things that life, you know, life learnings from Warren Buffett. Um, and I love Warren, except for the I don't like his take on crypto. Other than that, I love Warren Buffett. This is a really good way to learn from Warren, <laughs> and I'll go. put it in the uh, in the show notes. But that obituary thing, I haven't done it yet. I don't know if you if you have, Robert. I, I'm thinking about doing that. I'm thinking about actually putting that together and, and saying, okay, what do I want to be remembered for? And then what do I need to do to get there? So,
1: I, well, I have a less, I have a slightly less creepy way uh, of doing that. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is uh, one of the things that I, I love to have uh, some of my clients do, and this is really more toward, you know, people that I coach rather than sort of the enterprise clients is, um, are what I call write your, write your future bio. And what I mean by that is, so pretend what I have people do is pretend you're getting introduced at a conference uh, five years from now or 10 years from now, whichever is your favorite window. I like five years because there's so much change in the world. So in, you know, write and write how you're introduced. So and 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 literally write it like you know you would want the speaker to say it. so obviously it has to be in the past tense you know, oh, I've authored a book and I'm now considered one of the foremost experts in this or what you know whatever it is, write your five year bio um, and uh, and it's a great way to it's a great way to sort of put your you know pull the future forward that's probably a little bit
0: less morbid than the obituary it's a little bit a little but bit. The same type yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's a so, little yeah, bit. So yeah, do that. It's the same idea. It's the same idea. Do, same do, do idea. that.
1: All right. What, yeah. what do you got? What do yeah, you got what, for you? <laughs> you do you. You, you do you. Um, uh, so I have a uh, a wonderful article. I just wanted to, I guess it's a rave about the article, and but sort of a, a weird commentary. I think it's a really important thing for us to talk about, especially what we talked about on the show. So first of all, hats off to my friend, Ron Miller. Uh, over at TechCrunch. I've known Ron for, I don't know, 15 years now, going all the way back to his uh, writing days um, for so many different publications when I met Ron. And his coverage of technology is just fantastic. And I, I, love, his, I love his thinking. Um, and he now writes for TechCrunch and has for a couple of years. Um, and um, now is really writing some of the more important feature uh, articles that they have. And he wrote one uh, about uh, Salesforce. Uh, and it's about his his take on Salesforce, as, as his the headline says. Salesforce is betting that its own content can bring more trust to generative AI. And he talks about how uh, basically at a recent, uh, uh, basically Salesforce, they're calling it the Salesforce World Tour, which is basically an analyst and reporter and sort of public, you know, public relations tour about what's going, everything going on at Salesforce. They've they've really pivoted. They've really pivoted from talking about, you know, customer data platforms and uh, the things that were really sort of front and center. And they've moved right into the generative AI stuff. So as he notes, you know, during the 67 minute keynote, it took less than five minutes for the CMO, Sarah Franklin, to get into talking about AI and what Salesforce is doing with generative uh, AI and chat GPT and all those kinds of things. And every single Product leader that got up, started talking about the same thing, right? Started talking about how they're infusing AI. But the main thing was this idea of trust. And it fits so wonderfully into our show theme here because what they're saying is is that what they're trying to do to differentiate themselves as Salesforce is to provide for uh better learning models. In other words, not using the large language models that are available through open source or through ChatGPT that are using general internet, but to, to to actually start using curated learning models and give them a trust score. And I think that's a really interesting idea. I'm not sure that it's going to come from an enterprise software company. Um, that uh, it's, This is where I, 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 I... It's more question than a sort of, I guess, commentary, which is, not sure that an enterprise software company is going to be the one to provide me a trusted learning model. I think you almost have to build it either yourself or you have to hire and and you know basically you have to create it or curate it yourself in order to be trusted. It's a really interesting challenge, which is because they go on to talk very much about how uh, you know it's not it's about accuracy, it's about more than hallucinations. You know, just sort of trying to get into the idea that if i work in if my company works in salesforce and wants to generate you know gener- use generative ai to send emails or to send uh, to write content or to create things that may help my marketing strategy i not only want to have it be mine i want it to be generated out of the data that my company trusts and that i think is a really interesting challenge and i and i i'm i applaud salesforce for sort of Discussing it and talking about it because I happen to believe that language models, large language models will be verticalized, maybe even down to individuals like where you have a large language model. I and I have one, (coughs) excuse me, but it'll be interesting to see over time where how granular language models get in terms of how we use generative AI and where the trust faction comes into that.
0: It's going to be crazy it's going to be really very interesting but it's it what interests yeah. me is the the quick pivot that salesforce made i mean it did not take i mean pivot for a lot of companies it yeah. did not take long and everyone's ai
1: everyone's well, chat it gets this, to the, chat you know, that yeah it, every God. It, it gets to what we were talking about it right you know the idea that everybody's latching on to this yeah. are you going to survive <laughs> should we I am going to survive. Yeah, yeah. yeah that and means that we my we've
0: used our allotted time for the show, and we probably need, we have. To, need to wrap up. But while you while you compose, we absolutely while you compose, I want to know what you're well, doing this weekend. But I think a lot of people. I, I know. am basically no. A lot of people already know this because you've already given to this cause. But on Monday, it's our Orange Effect Foundation's 100 holes for for marathon golf tournament that we have. Uh, so I'll be golfing 100 holes during the day. Uh, it takes about 12 hours to do this. We golf the entire time at a very rapid rate, and we've almost hit our goal. So if you want to help us out, one last push. We're at 100holes.info, and we're at 40000 of our 50000 goal. I really think we can hit it. We've got a few more days to get to $10,000 But thank you all for donating, including you, Robert. You've donated. Thank you so much for all your support, but we actually do this thing on Monday. And what's great is all these proceeds go to kids who cannot afford speech therapy. Any other means, we're sort of the last resort option for families to get their speech therapy. And uh, so this is our biggest fundraiser of the year. So thank you everyone to for supporting that. So that's what we're going to be doing this week. It's
1: a brilliant yeah. thing. Yeah, it's a brilliant thing. Um, yeah, as for me doing nothing so wonderful and kind for the world, <laughs> I will be uh, flying home from this wonderful location, uh, having hopefully a nice relaxing weekend, and then getting right back to it. We have new clients to deal with. We have wonderful, uh, you know, things to, to work on. I'm getting ready for my book uh, yeah. launch. I'm I'm uh, I'm, ex- I'm expecting my galleys this week, nice. so to start looking at that. Yeah, so it's uh, busy, busy, busy. It's, it's, it, we start uh, the middle of May, and, and here we go. And, you know, uh, hopefully refreshed and all of that. Is coming out of the kind of coming out of a great sounds, week. Sounds yeah. like a plan. All, all right, everybody. Thank you so much. And, again, why, we want your questions. Send us questions via voicemail. And, of course, wonderful to see you. And we will see you again next week. And remember, in the meantime, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing.